beginning a new series today entitled Symbols and Signs. And subtitled, Is God Sending a Wake-Up Call to America and the World? I believe he is. We'll get a little more into that in the coming weeks, but uh, seeing the things that are happening around us, not only in our country, but more importantly around the world, uh, and seeing those things in light of Scripture, certainly in light of Matthew chapter 24, which we're going to spend uh, some time in, in the coming weeks. Uh, those kinds of things are happening. But I wanted to begin today with some definitions um, because I think some of this can, can, can tend to be confusing at times if we don't know kind of what we're talking about and looking at. S- symbols, from a biblical standpoint, symbols are about others seeing. Symbols are for the world to see. Signs, on the other hand, are for you and I as believers to see. So um, nothing wrong or evil with symbols in church for us to see. The symbols are really not designed for us. Symbols are designed for the world to see. They are to identify who we are, what we believe, what what, what life is about. But they're for others to see, see the symbols are. The signs, on the other hand, are for us. This morning, we're going to look at symbols. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11 uh, this morning, and, and actually next week as well, we're going to look at symbols uh, in, in, in a different scriptural light. But Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 to 21 is where we're going to spend our time today. So turn there and follow along with me, if you will. Begin up in verse 18. Fix these words of mine in your hearts. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers, as many as, as the days are, as the days that the heavens are above the earth. <coughs> Biblical symbols, first of all, are always rooted in Scripture. That's what I want you to see here in the first part of verse 18. They're always rooted in Scripture. He says here, fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Now, the Hebrew word for fix here is to, is to strongly adhere. In other words, to be one with, to connect, to be, to be eternally and, and unbreakably connected. Fix these things together. Cement them. Make them... Make them a permanent part of your being, a permanent part of your nature, a permanent part of who you are, how you think, how you process life, how you see the world. Fix, fix these things to your hearts and minds that way. So how do we do that? Well, he, tells, he gives us a, an equation here. First of all, by letting it, letting it penetrate our hearts. Fix these things, words of mind, in your hearts and in your, in your minds. Let it penetrate our hearts. And our hearts, when you see the, the term heart or, heart or hearts in Scripture, it refers to our soul, our, our, our conscience, our inmost being, our, 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 the inner part of us, the part that makes us tick, not just physically, but, but as, uh, spiritually as well. So he says, make it a part of, permanent part of your heart, a part of the things that, how you process and see the world. Our heart physically gives everything, gives, gives life to everything else in the body. That's why he says, fix these things in your hearts. My word will give life to everything else around you, but you've got to fix it in your heart first. You've got to know that this is true. You've got to know that it, it, it is livable. It is practicable. So fix these things in your heart. <clears throat> let, let them penetrate who you are, and it'll give life, not only to you physically, it's life-giving as well to those around you, in the world around you, and in, 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 your, in your world. Second thing is by pouring it into our minds. Not only at penetrating our hearts, but by pouring it into our minds, he says. And so what gives us, here's the question, what gives us the mental discipline to navigate good from evil. What gives us that mental discipline? In fact, what gives us the mental discipline to, to, to see good from best? 
good from better. Where do we get that mental discipline to do that? He says you get that from fixing your mind and your heart on the Word of God. We get that from, from, from that, that indwelling, he says, that you have. When, when you fix these things, when you glue these things, knit these things, bind these things to yourself, to who you are, we can see good from evil. We can even see good from best. Sometimes it's hard to see apart from that. So uh, his word is the source of wisdom here he's talking about. So remember last week and I were talking about the difference between believing something and, and following it. To believe something is to, to see ourselves in, in light of its view, our, our worldview in light of this belief system that we have, to nail that down in what we believe. But following is something altogether different. He connects the dots here in this verse between believing and following because he connects the heart and the mind to say, you pour these things into your heart and sow your mind on these things to, 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 to fix your mind, to fix your heart and mind on these things, these words of mine. They'll guide you through life. They'll connect the belief system with how to follow. You, you, it's important that you believe the right things, but it's also important that you follow and do the right things. So our beliefs are, are, are he says in this verse, rooted in Scripture. The, the, the spiritual DNA of who we are it should be rooted in the Word of God. And so if that's true, we're going to, it's going to be far easier to not only see those things and believe them, but follow them. If we don't know what we believe, it's hard to follow something that's unbelievable. And our world is doing that greatly. It's following every whim that it finds today, every belief system that it finds. So he's saying to us, fix your mind, fix your heart on these things, on the Word of God. You'll find these things to be true. These things are not only believable, but followable. These things are practicable. Uh, it, it's important that we not only believe the right things in our, in, in, our, in our hearts, but that we follow them as well in, in, our, in our minds with how we live, how we purposefully live ourselves. Biblical symbols are always rooted in Scripture. Secondly, biblical symbols are both internal and external. Look at the latter part of verse 18 with me, if you will. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Well, what's he talking about? Let them be seen. Let them be noticed. Let them be an obvious part of your life. Now, is he saying literally to, t- t- to tie Scripture around your wrists? Probably not, but figuratively to, to wear them around your necks. To let them be seen in, 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 the, in the things that you wear around in life. To let, to let biblical symbols and practicals, pra- practice and principles be seen in, in how, you, how you view your world and, and how people see you, that you identify with the king and the kingdom in ways that otherwise would be unknown. And so as, as I started to say this morning to say, symbols are for the world to see, signs are for followers of Jesus to see. If you distinguish those things, you'll you get a, a clearer picture of the symbols in my life should speak to who I belong to. The, the symbols in my life and, and what I wear around and, and what I say and how I live and how I practice my, 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 not only my thoughts but my words, how, how I present myself to the world, how I see the world, my worldview, those things should be symbolic of what I believe. And so as, as, the, as I tie them to my my life is they become evident out of me and are seen both physically and, and, and metaphorically out of my life, the, the greater witness of that symbol becomes truer to the world. These, these words, these principles, these truths of Scripture, uh, he's not literally talking about, I don't think, wearing verses around our wrists, although if you want to do that, great. If it, if it reminds you of something during the day, tie a verse around your wrist and go on with it. But, but, but symbolically, he says, the, the things you do with yourself, with your time, with your energy, with, your, with what you wear, with, with how you're seen, how you're noticed, let those things reflect me instead of you. Let them be symbolic of me instead of, instead of what you believe and what's, what's important to you. Now notice here that these external symbols are part, first part of eight, verse 18, they're part of an internal transformation. That The external symbols are empty unless the internal transformation has occurred. Until your heart and mind has been fixed on the Word of God, 
He's saying these symbols are meaningless. They're, they're, they're idle and can literally become idols. So he said the internal part is far more important than the external part, but the external follows the internal and not the other way around. Sometimes we get that backwards thinking. That we're, if, ex- if we are externally in church, then we're internally okay with God. No. He, he changes us and transforms us internally. Baptism is, is another good example of an outward symbol of an internal change, an outward symbol of internal transformation, an outward symbol of something that has changed us from the inside that changes our view, changes our mind, changes our heart, changes our worldview, changes how we talk, how we interact, how we walk with the world. Those are outward symbols of an inward change. Um, and this is far less, uh, I think, I think what he's, the context of this verse he's saying, is far less to, to preach and far more to reveal. The symbols should preach less. Let's let the word preach. But, but the symbols should preach less and reveal more. In other words, he says, this is more of a revelation of who you are inside for the, for the outside to be seen as a reflection of the inside, who the inside is. Not so much as, as the other way around to say, well, if my outside looks good, my inside will be perceived as good, won't it? Sometimes it will, but God knows the difference. And so he says the, 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 the symbols are an outward, outward expression of internal transformation. And really, honestly, this all gets, to, gets down to living with transparency. It gets down to living with authenticity, to being real with others as we are in private, as real in public as we are in private, as real with you as I am with my family, as real with the world as I am with the king. It's this, and I will tell you, this world is, uh, hides behind things like Facebook and Instagram and social media to, to, to hide, sometimes hide or, or at least give a perception of who we might be instead of who we really are. Who we really are, he says, that's the, that's the symbolic part that needs to be seen. That changed heart, that fixed mind, those are the things that need to be seen, not, not, not the you that you perceive, that you want others to perceive about you. But it's, it's all about living a transparent, authentic, uh, biblical walk with Jesus Christ, as opposed to closet Christianity, uh, which is the kingdom is rampant with closet Christians. It's, I think it's high time you and I start to wear our faith and look and speak and act more, more like his word than, than more like, uh, and less like our culture. But it is both internal and external. Biblical symbols are always rooted in Scripture, both internal and, and external. Thirdly, biblical symbols should be multi-generational. Biblical symbols should be multi-generational. Look at verse 19 with me. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Teach them to your children as opposed to what? As opposed to hoping they get it by exposure. Now, hear me here and don't, don't, don't be, be confused about this. It's great to bring your kids to church important to talk about God to your kids, but it's far more important that they live, they, they see that out of you rather than you expose them to truth. It's far more important that they see the truth lived out in your life than say, here, church, you fix my kids, and I'll deal with them as best I can at home to parent the practical things of their, of their world. But spiritually, you, you, you make sure my kids are okay. You make sure my kids know the things that are, are, are of God, the things that are important, how to live. He's saying, no, that's not how it's done. The churches should be, at least the, over, the kingdom, should be the overflow of what's already happening in the home. The kingdom should be the, the, the icing on an already pretty good cake, in essence, to say it, it's multi-generational in, in the sense that these things are, they have to be intentional to, to be shared with the next generation behind us intentionally as opposed to uh, hoping to get it by osmosis. It, this, this phrase carries it with it, I think, an expectation of intentionality to say, I want to be intentional about it, that we plan for time to talk about Biblical, spiritual, life-changing, eternal things with our kids. Let me ask you a question. 
How easy or how difficult is it, or was it in your home, maybe is it with your grandkids, if, if you're that age, your kids are already gone, how easy or difficult is it for you to engage in spiritual conversation around the dinner table? Maybe, maybe the first question is, do you have the dinner table? Or is that, is that in, from the drive-thru in the backseat of the car? If we still have dinner tables, and if we still have conversation around dinner, ta- dinner tables, how easy or hard is it for that exchange to start to be spiritual? For there to start to be some content about things that outlive us, eternal things. Great to talk about school grades and work, and nothing wrong with any of that. It's fine. Connect about, over those things. But he's saying here, I think, be intentional about moving, moving into these areas with your children, and ho- hopefully indirectly with their children, the next generation behind, this needs to be multi-generational, and there needs to be some t- intentionality to it or it never occurs. I would submit to you this. What, what starts to become a plan on your part, especially if, you, if you're around young children or grandchildren, what starts out with a plan can over time become natural and seem very unplanned, seem very spontaneous. But it's your responsibility as a parent or as a grandparent to initiate that, to say, I want, I want, to, I want to be sure that you know these things, that you're... You're, you're, not only you just believe them or you hear them at church, but this is how they're practiced at work, in school, wherever else you may be. If we're, if we're intentional about that, it is far more impactful than if we just kind of hope it happens. Because if we hope it happens, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The enemy's going to say, you hear what Trump did this week? Did you hear about, hear about, such, hear about the Tennessee game this week? The enemy's going to find everything in the world to talk about except something of substance around your dinner table. We have to be intentional about that. As I say, what grows out of intentionality will not only seem, but be far more natural than the other way around and just hoping it occurs. Now, notice here also that he says this is not to be a one-time deal. It's to be a lifestyle. Look at what he says in verse 19. Teach them to your children, talking with them when when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when you do life. In essence, as you go, as you go about life, when you when you, when you sit down, when you, when you raise in the morning, when you lie down at night, when you're walking down the road, when you're doing life, make this a part of doing life. Make this a part of your world and doing life that you have conversations with people around you, your children especially, but people around you about spiritual things, about godly things, about eternal things. He says that is life-changing when you, when, you, when you make that intentional. But when you make it natural as a part of who I am and as a part of my work day, as a part of how I do life, how, how I walk through this world, <clears throat> it is far easier to be seen. So, is that, is that a hard get for you? Does that happen naturally around your dinner table, around breakfast, around lunch, around times with your kids? Or does it have to be planned? If it has to be planned, it's still not evil, but plan it and initiate it and make it happen. And as I say over time, it'll far become far more natural. Um, it's not just good. It's vital that his word point to the symbols in life and, and you help your kids connect the dots between the word of God and the symbols that it represents and how you live, how you, how you talk and walk and do life, the things, the things you wear, the places you go, the places you want, the things you allow in, the things you don't. If they know why we believe those things, it makes far more sense for them to connect the dots than just, that's just what my mom did. That's what my dad said. It's far more easier to connect the dots when you talk about those things and, and, and connect the actions, connect the beliefs with the following part, and part of what we, what we become, what we intentionally try to, uh, the ways we try to live. Uh, it gives them roots. It gives your kids and grandkids roots. You know, our culture is far more enamored, I think, with giving them wings than roots. Nothing wrong with wings. Great, great, great to have an independent mind and an independent thought. But it's far more important that we live that we live some independence with a belief system we know is solid and true and can, and can be depended on again and again and again and again and again. 
And so if, if we raise up kids and, and have see the generation behind us uh, believing and living and following things that they know to be true, that they've seen modeled in front of them, as I say, it makes it far more easier for that to go from your generation to theirs and from theirs to the one behind them and from one behind them to the one behind them. And again and again, this is multi-generational. Teach them to your kids. He says, walk, talk to them as, as you get up, as you lie down, as you walk on the way. Don't just assume that it happens, but make it intentional. Finally, fourthly, not only are biblical symbols always rooted in Scripture, not only are they both internal and external and should be multi-generational. Finally, biblical symbols carry a promise with them. This is great. They carry a promise with them. Look at verses 20 and 21. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Watch this. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So that your days and the days of your children may be many. The scripture is speaking here to staying power. It's speaking to endurance. It's speaking to fortitude. It's speaking to hanging in there. It's speaking to walking through the hard place. He gives them reference here about the promised land, about the promise that I've made to you. I want to be true and good on this promise. Keep walking with me and you'll see this promise fulfilled again and again and again. And the nation of Israel today, as you and I see it, is a, is a fulfillment of that promise. I mean, every country around them hates them. And there they are, living and breathing and prospering in the midst of hatred in every country that surrounds the nation of Israel. And so why are, they, why are things that way that, why are things that way in that country today? Because of this promise made back then to Abraham. You're going to be a people. I'm going to connect you. I'm going to give you a land. You're going to keep it. It's going to be yours. Why? Because I promised to be there. And I will protect you. And I will provide for you. And his protection and provision has been on the hand of the nation of Israel ever since that promise. <clears throat> it will be, if he tarries his coming after you and I die, and the generations behind us see the nation of Israel in place, they are there because God wants them there. And they will stay there because of the promise God has made to them. And so what is he saying? Write these kinds of things, on the, on the, fix them on your minds and hearts, and these kinds of promises will be true to you. The promises I made to you in, from this book will be true in your life again and again and again. He, you'll see, as you put those things in practice, God will be true to his promises. As I, as I write the symbols, fi- fix his word on my, on my mind and heart, as I write the symbols on the, how I express myself, as the world sees my expre- the expression of myself in that way, as I walk that out and live that out and, and, and seek to, to follow after the things I believe, as, I, as that becomes a, true, a truth in my life, I'll start to see God's promises be true again and again and again in my life. So we can know that by looking at the nation of Israel. Um, are promises in Scripture as real to you as they should be, or are they just kind of mythical? Do, do, do you see the promises of God in, in Scripture and think, you know, that's for, that's for the clergy, that's for the Jew, but that's for the person to promise. That really doesn't apply to me. He's saying all over this verse, no, that's you too. That, that applies to, the promises in my word is applied to this nation. It applies to the people behind this nation as well. So when we get back to verse, the first part of verse 18, when we fix our minds and hearts on the word of God, and that's true, that's a fixed position. That's a, it's, it's a solid, solidly held belief system. When we fix our minds and hearts on those things, his promises start to be revealed and these principles start to be lived out of the cracks of our life and come out and are heard out of the cracks of our conversation. When we get back to being, being a fixed physician, we'll not only more readily see the hand of God, we'll have greater endurance and greater staying power for the circumstances of life. I'm going to show you some symbols on the screen. You tell me what they're associated to. Right? Coca-Cola. Nike. Amazon. Apple, Chevrolet, 
Facebook. Not just jeans. Levi. Not a word on the screen, right? Just symbols. Those symbols tell a story. And this, this lesson from Deuteronomy, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 11 today, is about brand identity. Exactly what he's talking about. Are, are you identified with the brand? Do, do you reflect the brand? Is your brand... <clears throat> does your brand say more about Parker or does it say more about Jesus? Does it say more about who you are, what you believe, and the things that are valued to you, or does it say more about me? What brand are you connected with? As people look at your life and look at your world, do they see your brand or his brand? Do they see you walking out his ways or yours? Your ideas, your plans, your goals, your dreams, his, his principles, his promises. He's this lesson in brand identity. What are you identified with here today? Are you identified more with your job or more with Jesus? Are you identified, and this, this might have probably more to ladies than men, I don't know, probably men are just as vain, probably. Are you, are you identified more by how you look or how well you love? Identified more by how well you look or how well you love? Are you identified more by with your connection to a sport or your connection to something spiritual. In short, do you identify more with the culture or are you identified more by the cross? What would you say yours most, most, more closely resembles? Because we identify with something every day. Our speech reveals something. Our attitudes reveal something. Our nature reveals something. It reveals what's at the core of us. So what's at the core of you? What do you more readily identify with? Whatever we're known for, Finally, it's being handed down whether we intend it or not. Whether we like it or not, whether we're comfortable with it or not, it's being handed down. It's being caught. Sometimes it's even being taught. But it's being caught. It's being seen. It's being noticed. It's being handed down. The generation behind you sees those things. You know what they believe? Those are the things that are important to you. You're telling a story every day. Here's my question. Are you comfortable with that story? Are you comfortable with those that are around the periphery of your life that see the, the outer part of you it reflects the inner part of you. Are, you. are you comfortable with the truth of that? Here's the great news. If you're not, it's not too late to change. The symbols that the world sees of us are far greater to point to the king than to point to us. But if, if they're pointing to us instead of him, it's not too late to change that. It's not too late to say, listen, things in my life need to reflect something different. My conversation needs to reflect something different. The things I wear, the things I bring into my world, the things that I see, the things that are important to me, the music, the, the entertainment, the the friends, the relationships that I connect with, those things need to tell a story about me that point to my king, point to the fact that I believe something that matters and that is sown in the truths of a book that promises again and again and again, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to accomplish the things with my word that I set out to accomplish, whether you even see them happening or not. And sometimes we don't. But he's, he has set out and promised to do that if our brand identity, if our symbolism, points to him instead of us. So where are you pointing? 